I don't often preach another pastor's sermon, but today I'm going to share with you a short sermon from Bishop Sergei Mashuski. He's Bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ukraine. Yes, there are Lutherans in Ukraine among the multitude of Orthodox Christians there. Bishop Mashuski preached the sermon I'm going to share with you on February 27th, just three days after the Russian Federation Army rolled through the border. The sermon is based on Luke 18, 31 through 43, which is not our gospel reading today, and interestingly is not in the three-year lectionary. Well, you know, that's right up my alley anyways, right? So I'm going to read that one in lieu of the lectionary reading from Luke 13 in your folder. Just for your information, the ELCU is in fellowship with the, with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which means their pastors can preach in our churches and our pastors can preach in theirs. So we have unity with our Lutheran brothers and sisters in Ukraine in our understandings and interpretation of Scripture and the use of the sacraments. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Then he took the 12, Jesus took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. And they will scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened that as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Ukraine is on fire. Trouble has come to our land. On February 24th, war broke out. Terrible, horrible, despicable. Automatic rifles shooting, bombing with grenades, bombing with missiles, Sirens, curfews, all of this has become our reality. The dead, the wounded, the tens of thousands of refugees, a terrible reality. And now we hear the Lord's words to his disciples with special clarity and in a whole new way. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all that is written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. The Lord knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. He knew he would be betrayed to the Gentiles, that he would be mocked, insulted, humiliated, spit upon, crowned with thorns on his forehead, and killed. He knew about the cross of Calvary, 
Jesus' heart was filled with fear, but he still goes to Jerusalem, going, after, going to offer himself as the sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the world, going to bring peace to men. Now we in the Holy Spirit follow with Jesus the way of his suffering and death. The apostles could not imagine what the words meant, betrayed, abused, insulted, spit upon, beaten and killed. Why does this have to happen? What does it mean? Isn't there any way to avoid it? Why is God willing to suffer such a fiasco? The disciples didn't understand. Their hopes for the future were crumbling. Fear settled in their hearts, just as in our hearts now. A war has broken out, and we don't understand God's ways. Why? How did God allow this to happen? We go through fear, panic, frustration. Why did this happen to us? It took the apostles some time to grasp the meaning of what Jesus had said and done. The Spirit of God had to illumine their minds and hearts, and then they began to preach. This was the only possible way for us to be saved. At some time, it will also become clear to us why God leads us in such a strange way, and we will testify God's way is for good. We have no illusions. Our church has experienced persecution and pursuit from the state before. We know and remember how, on the orders of the German embassy, the Ukrainian government services destroyed our congregations. We know the hypocrisy, deceitfulness, and meanness of our state officials. But we clearly distinguish the current government from our people, our country. And now the aggression is committed not against the authorities of Ukraine, but against the people. And we, the church, with our children, with our brothers and sisters, are on guard and ready to defend our homeland to the last drop of blood. Are we afraid? Yes. Do we retreat? No. And we believe that God keeps and protects us. And it is, it is no coincidence that in our gospel passage we encounter two such different stories. Christ's prediction of his suffering and death and then the healing of a sick man. The blind man teaches us to see. He hears Jesus of Nazareth passing by and cries out, shouts even, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples silence him, but he cries even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Christ is at the center of his life. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Lord asks, What do you want from me? He says, That, that I may see, Lord. Jesus says to him, See, your faith has saved you. And he immediately receives his sight and follows him, praising God. This is how the blind, sick man meets God who has mercy and heals. A God who does not pass by, but hears the cry for help. A God who, in suffering himself, hastens to show mercy to those who cry out to him. Our crucified Lord is no stranger to our pain, our need, our despair, our fear, our weakness. Our crucified God overcame death and overcame hopelessness. He did all this for us. He walked this road to become the one who can save, the one who can help.
in any situation, at any time. He gives us a blessing and a future. He rewards us with a full life. And we, be we believe that the Lord will help us in our struggle. The Lord will not leave us, but will overcome everything with us. Therefore, fear goes away, and we look boldly into the present and with hope into the future. And blindness goes away. The ELCU is active in volunteer and diaconal work in the defense of our cities and in the spiritual care of those in need. We meet God in the sacrament, and in it, Christ heals us. We meet God in, in the prayer of our brothers and sisters, in the help and care of our church. Well, this concludes Bishop Mashuski's message to the Lutherans in Ukraine. And I don't know how you're keeping up on the situation over there, but I keep clicking on the news websites that I go to, you know, refreshing the main page like every hour in hopes that some breaking news update will appear showing the furthering of the crisis has been averted. Well, I haven't checked in the last hour. I don't know if anything's changed. Some of you may remember when our nation averted a crisis with the Russians in October 1962. Russian miss missiles were being shipped to Cuba. One of our reconnaissance planes was shot down. President Kennedy set up a naval blockade. And a U.S. invasion force was ready to strike. Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara said he thought Saturday, October 20th, was the last one he'd ever see. Through intense negotiations, however, a crisis was averted. And we're still here. I got to get born, <laughs> and so did many of you. But it must have been a huge relief when it was over for those of you who lived through it. Whether we know this as well as we should today, we're still in the brink of a crisis, one which threatens our very survival. The question is, will God's word preached to us avert the crisis of our eternal disaster? Well, that's what the prophet, prophet Jeremiah was telling the people of Israel. God preached to his people through the written word that they already had and through the prophets in order that the crisis that was in store for them for being unfaithful would be averted. Israel's story is a tragic one, though. The crisis was not averted. They were invaded by neighboring armies. Their towns were burned and destroyed, and those who weren't killed were displaced to far-off lands. From the time of creation's fall into sin, the whole world teeters on the edge of a crisis. Every human being conceived and born is descended from that first man, Adam. No one is born innocent of sin and then makes themselves evil by, by what they do. No, we're all conceived and born guilty of sin before we've even thought or done anything against God. That's the curse of our first parents' disobedience, and it's a heavy one. The disaster before every person from the time of conception is eternal torment and separation from God. No diplomatic negotiation between men and God can bring about a peaceful resolution. But there is one way in, in which the crisis is averted. 
Jesus Christ steps into this world and intervenes. This is the only way the crisis of our damnation could be averted. If God Himself were to live the commandments perfectly in our place, take the punishment of our sins on His own flesh, and shed His blood in payment. If God's, it's God's love for you and me and all people that averts this crisis. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall never die an everlasting death. For us, the crisis is averted when we believe the Word of God preached to us, which calls us to repentance and delivers the living Word which says, you are forgiven, restored, and you have the hope of eternal life with God. You've been hearing these past several weeks now that what people are saying in the Ukraine and for those watching from afar, this is the 21st century. How can this kind of thing still be happening? Well, it would be nice to think that this century, which is only 22 years in now, would finally be the one where invasions and tanks and missiles and, and old men and women and children hobbling along, sobbing as they leave the rubble of their homes behind, would be a thing of the past. But apparently, not much changes from century to century. But there's no crisis like the crisis of sin and death by which Jesus' death and resurrection alone averted for your eternal soul and mine. We often feel that crisis now, but the final resolution will come on the last day when Christ returns to raise us all up from death and the grave. Amen.